Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode on the characteristics and formation of erosional landforms, including interlocking spurs, waterfalls and gorges. I'll therefore cover what they look like, as well as how they are made. I realise that this is only audio, but hopefully I'll do a good enough job in helping you visualise these three landforms. First, let's begin with some definitions. The definition of erosion is simply the wearing away of rock. Vertical erosion is downwards erosion and occurs mainly in the upper course, as there the river is travelling down steep gradients and coming down with force. Vertical erosion affects mostly the riverbed. Hydraulic action is a type of erosion and occurs when water wears away rocks due to its sheer force, much like one of those power washers that you might have seen cleaning roads of dirt or wiping graffiti off walls. Or when water widens gaps in the rock face by forcing in and compressing air. The widening of the gaps therefore wears away the rock. Abrasion is another type of erosion and occurs when sediment that is carried by water is flung against the rock and wears it away in the process. This works much like sandpaper does on a piece of wood, if that helps you remember it. Solution and attrition are the other two types of erosion, but I'll mention them much less often in this episode. Finally, differential erosion is a term us geographers use to refer to the fact that rocks will erode at different rates or speeds, slowly, quickly, etc., depending on the structure and strength of the rock. Essentially, softer, less resistant rock, like sandstone, will erode much more quickly than harder, more resistant rock, such as windstone. Let's start with interlocking spurs. Interlocking spurs are a series of ridges in a V-shaped valley around which a winding or meandering river moves. They form exclusively in the upper course. When viewed from above, the projecting ridges, which are called spurs, appear to interlock or overlap in a staggered formation like the teeth of a zipper and a jumper, hence their name. As I said, in the upper course there is more vertical erosion. The river cuts down into the valley. If there are areas of hard rock which are harder to erode, the river will bend around it as water always finds the easiest path. The river begins to wind around hard rock, therefore, and because soft rock is less resistant, it will erode faster, leaving behind the ridges or spurs made of harder and more resistant hard rock. This process creates a zigzag-looking valley. If you want to picture this, make two fists with your hands and make them face each other and bring them close but not touching. Your knuckles will be the spurs and the gap between your fists is the winding river. So to summarise, interlocking spurs form when a river comes across an obstruction in the form of resistant rocks along its course. The river curves around the resistant rocks, following belts of less resistant, softer rocks. Much like with headlands and bays, this is all about what we call differential erosion, which means some rocks erode faster than others. The river therefore changes direction of flow and develops a winding course. However, this is not to be confused with meanders, which form in the middle course and which I will explain in a subsequent episode. Now on to waterfalls and gorges. As with interlocking spurs, waterfalls and gorges are formed in the upper course, where vertical erosion is prominent due to the water moving downstream quickly and with force. The formation of waterfalls begins with a river flowing over hard rock which is underlain by soft rock. So in other words, hard rock is sitting on top of soft rock. This is why sometimes it is called cap rock, because the hard rock is kind of like a cap on top of a bottle, and in this analogy, the bottle is the soft rock. As the water plummets down, it will erode the soft rock under the hard rock much more quickly, because soft rock is less resistant. It is weaker in structure and strength. We refer to this as undercutting, so we say the soft rock undercuts the hard rock above it. The main types of erosion here are hydraulic action and abrasion. 
as it is vertical erosion that is occurring, the area just over the vertical drop begins deepening and forms what is called a plunge pool. This is an area of deep water and it is the reason why people can safely dive off waterfalls without hurting themselves as they land in deep water. As I was saying, undercutting will continue until an overhang is left. This overhang is what we call the hard rock which is hanging with no soft underneath it to support it. So essentially we have very hard rock that is actually quite unstable. That is, as it is no longer supported, it will fall under its own weight and due to the influence of gravity and into the plunge pool below. Once here, the rock becomes essentially further ammunition for abrasion, as this rock, which is now broken up into pieces, is flung against the base of the waterfall, that soft rock again, and aids erosion. Due to this, the process of undercutting continues. And so again, eventually an overhang will form and collapsing will occur again. This process repeats itself and so the waterfall will look like it is retreating or going back upstream. We call this headward erosion as it is going backwards and towards the source of the river. You may have learnt about High Force, one of Britain's highest waterfalls, at a vertical drop of 22 metres. The retreat of this waterfall has created a gorge which is 500 metres in length as it has retreated over centuries. A gorge is a steep-sided valley which forms due to the retreat of a waterfall. Think of it as the evidence for retreat. If you see a gorge, you'll know a waterfall is nearby, as that is what has scarred the land whilst moving backwards. So a gorge is what is left behind as this process of erosion repeats itself and as the waterfall retreats upstream. As I mentioned in my previous episode, as you near your exams, you'll want to reflect on your knowledge and understanding of geography topics in relation to exam questions. For landforms, it is relatively simple. For glacial, coastal and river landforms, be prepared to have any thrown at you in the form of a four marker. However, there are variations which mean that they could take the form of six markers too. For example, explain the processes involved in the formation of waterfalls and gorges is a famous question that's come up two or three times before and you've been shown an image of what is quite clearly a waterfall and a gorge and you've had to make use of the, of the source in your answer. Or you could simply get for four marks explain the formation of interlocking spurs. There may be variations of these, so like I said the ones that ask you to use a figure, for example study figure three and that figure clearly shows a gorge and you're meant to refer to the figure in your answer. In my opinion there is no harm in creating a bank of perfect answers of four markers which explain the formation of every single river land form included in the specification, but be wary of the fact that you may have a figure thrown at you so you will in that exam have to use a figure. Creating a bank of four markers which are perfect answers will mean that you won't get caught out in the exam, hopefully. Make sure that they're packed with key terms and that the sequence, i.e. what happens first, then second, then third, is very clear to the examiner. You want to show that you clearly know what is happening, which of course you do, but you need to get across that to that, to that examiner marking your work. This is why using annotated diagrams, a key skill for geographers, is something you should also practice as this can really aid explanation. So again, it is very clear that you know the sequence of how things form. So you know what happens first and then second and that you clearly link this as a sequence. Otherwise, your answer may come across as jumbled and it may seem that actually you don't know what happens first and second, etc, etc. That brings this episode to an end. Hopefully it's been helpful in covering the characteristics and appearance of some erosional river landforms and the sequence of formation of interlocking spurs, waterfalls, and finally gorges. Thank you for listening and good luck.
If you found this episode useful and want to learn two times faster for free, head over to SenecaLearning.com or click the link in the bio to revise all your exam subjects for free.